Lord together. Amen, amen. Pues buenos días, familia. Uh, if you're new with us, I just want to catch you up real quick. Today we continue in 1 Peter, uh, and we're going to be in a new series called Stand. And so we've been in this series before. We're talking about submit and submission and how we are to submit to the Lord, submit to God. But today we're going to transition and talk about, for us, what does it look like? To handle suffering? What does it look like to handle hard times as believers? And so I want you to go ahead and find 1 Peter chapter 4. And as you get there, I just have a question for you because this is something that came to my mind as I was just studying for this passage. But what do you do when you start going through suffering? Like, what do you do when you start going through hard times? Or better yet, what do you eat? Like, how many of you are like chocolate people? Like, I need some chocolate when I'm going through some hard times. Okay. How many of you are going through some hard times? You're like, man, I just need some ice cream. Anybody ice cream people out there? Okay. Tres leches people. I always throw that in there because I love tres leches. Tres leches. Okay. So what do you eat? You know, what are those, like, foods that you go to? You're like, man, I'm having a hard time, so I just really need to stuff my face with one of those things. Let me ask you another question. Where do you go? Like, when you're going through a hard time, when you're suffering, where do you go? Do you go outside? Do you go to the movies? Do you go in your closet? You go to the bathroom, like just like where, like where do you go when you're having a hard time? I guess it depends on what kind of hard time you're having, right? Um, so, you know, where do you go when you're just having a hard time? And then maybe another question is who do you talk to? Is it a friend? Is it a grandparent? Is it your family? Is it someone that you know? Who do you talk to when you're going through such a hard time? And then maybe let's go into some harder questions of what habits do you go to when you're having a hard time? What habits do you go back to when you're suffering and then maybe another question is, what emotions are brought out? What emotions are brought out when you are suffering, when you're going through a hard time? You know, personally, I just want to share with you what I do when I go through a hard time. When I go through a hard time myself, I'm kind of one of those people who just kind of like want to sit by themselves in silence and pray and, and say, Lord, help me, because I'm just like an internal processor. And then I want to be sitting by someone who I can trust and slowly begin to just talk things out with them. Okay, and then also I'm human, okay, I'm human, so I'm also the guy who's like, man, I just need a good dessert sometimes. Like, I just need to go have some delicious cake or some good ice cream or a good little cookie when I'm having a hard time just to kind of get over and kind of just get myself going. And so these are questions that I think that we need to answer together and, and things that we need to focus on because we are going to be in this passage that is really going to help us know what do we do whenever we suffer? What do we do when we go through hard times? Or how do we respond? Or maybe better yet, here's a question for you. How will we stand? How will we stand firm whenever we do pass through these situations in life? And when we look at the Bible, there's just different references and instances where we are told that we are to stand firm. Like when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we see, or chapter 16, we see that we need to stand firm in our faith, stand strong in the faith, even when we are being tested in our faith. We see in Philippians chapter 4 that we need to stand firm in the Lord whenever we are weak. In our weakness, we need to stand firm in him. We see in Ephesians chapter 6 that we need to stand firm against evil. Stand firm against the temptation of sin. And then we see 1 Peter chapter 5, and we see that we need to stand firm against the enemy. Stand firm against the spiritual attacks that come our way. And you see, I don't know if you guys feel this, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but just in the past couple of weeks, in our church, I have felt such a spiritual attack on our people. 
And so I don't know if you feel that. I don't know if you're one of those people who feel that spiritual attack, but I just see it. And I feel it with you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for our church, because I do believe that we're just beginning to take a turn. And it's amazing to see how God is moving. But there's going to be these spiritual attacks that just want to confront us and stop us from doing the Lord's work. And so I'm hoping that today's message, and I'm hoping the messages that continue will encourage you to stand. I encourage you to stand firm in the word of God, in the love of God, of the truth of God, the promises of God, and the reality of who God is in your life. And so if you're with me in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, I want you to find verse 1. And as you get to verse 1, I just want to give you just a little bit of context here. How many of you grew up like in a Christian home? Let me just see some hands out there in a Christian home. Okay, how many of you did not grow up in a Christian home? Okay, so those of you who did not grow up in a Christian home would totally relate to the people here. Because the people that Peter is talking to in this moment are these people that did not grow up in a Christian home, that did not grow up singing the songs and reading the scripture of the Old Testament and doing all of that. These are just Gentiles or non-Jewish people who were just these new believers and just learning how to live life in this culture that they were in, this society that they were in, there's these people who were just trying to live their lives in the government that they were in because the place and the context and the setting that they were in was all like anti-anything that wasn't this Roman and Greek kind of thing. They were anti-everything. And so these followers of Jesus are, are just needing some encouragement to stand firm even though they're surrounded by sin and temptation and, and suffering and so this is what we read. So starting in verse 1, it says this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, coercing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they may be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. So as we read this, I just want to give you a target. I want to give you an aim of saying, okay, if someone asks me, like, what did I learn at church today? Maybe this is the thing that I can say that kind of stuck out that Misa had put on the screen. And so the aim and the target for us this morning is this, is that Jesus understands our suffering. Jesus understands our suffering. Our suffering. You see, no one understands our suffering better than Jesus. No one completely understands us better than Jesus. And the cool thing about Jesus is that Jesus even knows the purpose of why we suffer. He even knows the why behind the suffering. And also, Jesus helps us have the right heart towards suffering, too. Because a lot of times, we don't have the right heart or the right mindset towards suffering. And so, as we think about that Jesus understands our suffering, I want to give you three questions. Three questions that I want you to write down when you think about suffering or if you're going through suffering. So here's the first question that we see. Am I hurting or suffering the logical consequences of my own sin? That's the first question. 
Am I hurting or suffering the logical consequences of my own sin? The second question is this. Am I hurting or suffering the unfortunate consequences of someone else's sin? Am I suffering or hurting the unfortunate consequences of someone else's sin? And then the third question is this. Is my hurting or suffering for a significant purpose? Am I hurting or suffering for a significant purpose? These are three questions, I think three healthy questions to think through as we think of suffering, as we think about hurting, and as we think of this aim that Jesus understands our suffering. So that's one of the things I'm just going to keep pointing back to because I think it's so vital for us to understand that little aspect of it. And so as we look at verses 1 to 6, I kind of break it up, I broke it up into two, two ways. So the first way actually comes from verses 1 to 5. And here's the first way I broke up this passage is this, that we see that suffering reveals our heart. Suffering reveals our heart. As we look at these verses, there's just so many questions that come to my mind because I really do believe that suffering reveals like who and what we depend on. Suffering reveals who and what we depend on because as we look at these things, there's this question that just comes to my mind of saying, when we suffer, are we running to sin or are we running to Jesus? When I'm hurting, when I'm going through these hard times, am I running to the things I used to do? Or am I running towards the new life that I have in Jesus? And there's this whole list that, that goes on. And then there's this other question that just comes to my mind of like, in that moment that I'm like suffering and I'm going through these hard times that, guess what, I cannot control. Am I going to try to run to control? Am I going to try to run to go back to my old ways because I know those are things that I can control. Like I can control when I get drunk. I can control when I go look at that stuff. I can control what I say instead of going to the Lord God Almighty himself, the one who has everything in control. Like where am I running when that moment hits, when that suffering hits, when that hurt hits? And these are the things that I see in this passage. And, and we see here that it was Christ who suffered in his body and that we are to have the same attitude as him. And when I look at that, man, Jesus will always be the perfect example of how to suffer and how to hurt without sinning. And how Jesus himself took the entire payment of sin on the cross. That Jesus himself took all the suffering for us and, and he was the one who, who paid the price of this very serious sin that we have. He paid that eternal price. And so when I look at this, I, I just see once again that Peter is pointing to us and saying, Jesus suffered with a purpose. Jesus hurt with a purpose. And you see the thing about Jesus suffering with a purpose, that didn't make the pain go away. Like, like Jesus didn't like shoo away the pain, like he felt the pain when he was nailed to the cross, when he was whipped, when he was beaten. Like, he didn't just try to push the pain away. He embraced the suffering. He embraced the pain because he was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. He was thinking of the restoration of the world. And we see that we are to be the example of this Jesus. But as we read this, you might be thinking, Misael, why should I even have the same attitude of Jesus? Why should I even try to do away with sin and be done with sin and, and not go back to my old ways like I see here? He said, why should I even try to do what Jesus did? Like, Jesus is on a whole other level than me. Like, Jesus doesn't really understand me, he said. Like, how can I do that? Well, here's the thing. I'm going to say that you're half right. 
You're half right because, number one, yeah, Jesus is on another level than you. He is on another level than me because he was all perfect, all powerful. Like he was the son of God. He was God the son. He's the second person of the Godhead. Like he is part of the triune God. Like Jesus is Lord. So, yes, he's on another level than you. But here's the thing. Jesus is relatable. Jesus is so relatable, and that's why Jesus can understand our suffering. So let me, let me just show you a picture real quick. I think this is kind of cool. So this picture on the screen right here is actually exactly two years ago. So two years ago was the very first time that I ever preached here. So I was like sitting up there in the back, and I took like a little picture, and that's literally two years ago exactly today, which is kind of cool. But I need you to know the feeling behind that picture. Like, that was the first time I was preaching here. That was the first time, like, I was about to be in front of all of you and the people who were here. And I had so many emotions going on. I had so many things in my mind. And, and here's some of the things that I was thinking of. I was thinking of this. I had left all the friends that I had, and I had no friends. I felt so lonely. I was like, I don't know anybody. Number two, I felt so, like, rejected because by this time, like, I had already talked to people who were like, oh, there's a Hispanic going to be here? There's going to be Hispanic preaching? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave. And I was like, okay, awesome. I didn't even say hi to you. I already felt rejected by them. Number two, like, people thought I was crazy. Because literally my plans were to go to California. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to stay in Oklahoma because God told me. And people looked at me and said, Misael, you are crazy. And I said, I know, God told me so, I <laughs> say. So I already felt crazy, like I felt crazy, like this, this little Hispanic guy was in Oklahoma and not California. But in that moment behind this picture, I was like, Lord, I need to turn my heart to you. Because yeah, right now I'm going through a really hard time. Yeah, I feel super lonely. Yeah, I feel crazy. Yeah, I feel all these emotions of rejection. I said, God, but I need to turn my heart to you, my face to you. Man, because you're the one who's going to sustain me through this. You're the one who's going to lead me and guide me through this. Jesus, you're the only one who truly understands how I feel. And now I can already hear some of the thoughts that you guys are saying. Misael, that's so churchy of you to say. Misael, that's so churchy to say. Man, turn, turn to Jesus like Jesus understands you. Well, let me just read something for you if I can. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. I want you to write that down too. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says this, For we do not have a high priest, a.k.a. Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive and find grace to help us in our time of need. And that's the Jesus who we love and we serve and we know who's Lord. And Jesus is just so relatable. Like, I just want you to just think about this. Like, in Matthew chapter 8, we see that Jesus is homeless. We see that Jesus is not even liked by the people in his own hometown. In Matthew chapter 12, we see that Jesus' family thought he was crazy. Like, his brothers thought he was crazy. His family thought he was crazy. In Matthew chapter 26... We see that Jesus was literally uh, accused and, and literally rejected by his own best friends. Like his own best friend said, you know what, I'm going to turn my back on you. And even worse, I'm going to like pay some people to kill you. 
And it wasn't even that much money. Jesus is this person and this man and God who literally came to love the world, but then the people that he came to love didn't love him back. Jesus experienced rejection. Jesus in John chapter 11 had someone who he loved die. Jesus has experienced that. Jesus has experienced people gossiping about him and talking behind his back. Jesus has experienced shame publicly. Think about this. Think about how relatable this is. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was sad. And like some of us today, Jesus was sleepy. And there were moments that Jesus just had to sleep. And sometimes we just need to be people who sleep. Like, take a little nap, please. And so Jesus is so relatable. And I just think about all the times that Jesus was rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected. So all of you who have just come in here and say, Misa, I've just been rejected by so many people in one way or another. Man, Jesus was too. And guess what? As we continue to share the gospel, Jesus will continue to be rejected, but he'll also be accepted, which is super cool. And so when we look at Jesus, we see that Jesus was this perfect man, this perfect God who was honestly the greatest teacher in the world, and he still had disciples who were like, man, I still don't get that. And Jesus is like, are you serious right now? (laughs) Like, I'm the best teacher in the world. And so we see that this Jesus is so relatable, and this is why he can understand our suffering. And so when we read this passage and we see that we need to have the same attitude of Christ, meaning that we need to be willing and faithful and obedient to follow the Lord, that we need to be done with sin just like Jesus was done with sin, that we need to live according to the will of God just like Jesus did, that we need to be mindful of how God is a righteous judge, Those are all things that we are told and called to do as the people of God. And I just want to focus just a little bit on being mindful of how God is a righteous judge. Because again, I've shared with you before that I've been meeting with this guy who's not a believer. I've been meeting with a guy who literally has told me to my face that he doesn't believe that the word of God is true. He doesn't believe God is true. He doesn't believe any of this stuff. But guess what? He keeps on meeting with me, which is super cool, and keeps on asking questions. And one of the things he keeps on saying is like, if God was so loving, then why do all these things happen? Which is a great question. But honestly, a little bit underneath that, what he's trying to say is that God is not a righteous judge. But you see, God is a righteous judge. God is holy and God is righteous and God is perfect. And the reality of it is that anything less than perfection is against the nature and the character of God. Because he is perfect. And and we think about our world like, Our world, man, needs a perfect judge to say, yeah, that's right, and yeah, that's wrong. And so we need to be mindful of these things because there's going to be one day when we're standing in front of God, and he's going to be looking at us in our eyes, and he's going to say, okay, who's going to represent you? And some people are going to say, you know what, I represent myself because I think I'm that cool. I think I'm that awesome. And they're going to suffer the consequence of that. Because I promise you they're not going to be able to defend against all of the things that we have done. And then there's going to be others who are going to be standing before God. And God's going to say, okay, who represents you? And they say, well, man, I'm really not that cool. And I, need, I, I put my faith and trust in Jesus to represent me. And so, hey, Jesus, man, will you kind of, you know. And right there, Jesus is going to say, man, yeah, they, they suck, but I died for them. I represent them. I love them. I'm here for them. I love them. I represent them with my own body, with my own sacrifice. 
And so we see this, that suffering reveals our heart because in that moment of suffering, we go either way, but we need to run to the Lord, the creator, our sustainer, this example of Jesus. The second thing that we see, again, just trying to uh, break up this passage is actually in verse 6. So in verse 6, we see that suffering refines our faith. So we've seen that suffering reveals our heart, and now we see that suffering refines our faith. Verse 6 says this, For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to the human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. I want you to think of, of two people who have suffered together, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whatever it may be, maybe even a church. People who suffer together usually have a really tight bond. They, they usually are these people that are really strong because in the darkest moments they, they trusted, they talked, and they walked together through that darkness, through that hard time. And so that's the same thing with our relationship with Jesus and those moments of suffering and hard times. Man, when we cling to him, there's this beautiful bond that happens that just refines our faith and refines our faith. And what's so amazing right here in verse 6 is that Peter's reminding the people of that time, hey, for all the reasons we've just talked about, like the judgment and Jesus and all that, like this is why the gospel was preached to people before you. And now we get to see that the gospel is preached to them. And now we get to see that the gospel is preached now because our need for the gospel is just the same. And because of that need of the gospel in people's life, the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus and the restoration and the transformation that we have in him, man, we're going to continue to share the gospel. And here I just want to just remind you that every single Saturday that we are going out to the community, we have an evangelism team pretty much. And so we would love to invite you on every single Saturday to go into the community with us, whether it's the Walmart here, the community here in the houses, whether it's La Pulga de Tulsa. Like we are just trying to go everywhere to share the gospel and say we want to be the people who say, man, we did our very best to share the greatest news and the greatest king that people need right now in their darkest moment. Because we know that God doesn't judge like humans do. That's what the end of verse 6 is talking about. The end of verse 6 talks about how these human standards, they judge the sin that is seen. The sin that you can perceive with your eyes. The sin that you can feel. But you see, God goes a little bit deeper. And God also judges the unseen sin. The sin that's in the heart. The sin that's in the mind. The sin that we don't even talk about or show people. Hey, that's God's standards. But then he reminds us that death is not the end, which is just so cool. And so as we look at this, I just want to remind you that even when we're hurting, even when we're, when we're suffering, like God's ways are always better. God's ways are always better. And I just, I just, want, to, I just want to be super practical right now. Like I just want to be super practical and just ask like, you, you know what another reason why suffering refines our faith? Like, just super practical. It makes us talk about things that we usually don't talk about. It makes us talk about things that are really important that maybe we should talk about, but we don't. Because you know what, you know what humans are really good at? They're really good at this. Ready? Watch. Skirt, skirt. Skirt, skirt. Like, they are so good at avoiding. So good at avoiding. Like, skirt, skirt. I'm going to avoid that. Skirt, skirt. I'm going to avoid that. 
Humans are amazing at avoiding the hard conversations or avoiding their emotions, avoiding their feelings, avoiding their trauma, avoiding all these things. And so whenever we suffer, whenever we go through these hard times, it honestly provides a perfect opportunity to embrace it and not escape it, just like Jesus did. You see, Jesus, again, just reminding you he can understand our suffering because he didn't try to escape it. He embraced it. He said, whether I'm suffering for the sake of myself or suffering for the sake of other people that I love, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to embrace the pain. And so that's one of the things that we can do. If we're suffering for Christ, embrace it. If we're suffering for the sake and the love of other people, embrace it. And so here's the reminder I just want to give you, right? The big practical takeaway, the big thing that you can kind of take away and say, I can do this today, I can do this tomorrow. So the big practical takeaway is this, and again, it's going to sound churchy, but I just want to explain it to you. The phrase is this, remember the cross. Remember the cross. Again, might sound super churchy to some of you saying, dude, Misael, what in the world does that even mean? Well, again, I want to remind you that it was on the cross that Jesus suffered for the sin of the world, suffered for your sin. It was there on the cross that Jesus took all the sin in himself, even though he was perfect, and said, I will be the sacrifice. I will be that for you. I will be that representation for you because that's a death that you really deserve, but I'll take it for you. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And, and when, I just, when I read this and as we study this together, We have to have that mentality of if I'm really a believer in Jesus, if I'm really a child of God, if I really want to honor God with all my life, will I be okay with saying, I just much rather die than not honor God? Like I much rather honor God with all my life. Are we going to be those people? And if we are those people, we kind of have to keep into account what, what this passage is saying. Verse two says, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. So there's just a question for us, like, is there a chapter of sin that we need to close today? Is there a sin that we just keep on going to and our hurt keep on going to and our suffering or just keep on going to because we want to worship ourselves rather than God? What chapter do we need to close and say, okay, Lord, I'm closing that. I need to give that to you. Lord, help me with that. Lord, I want to literally run to you and give myself to you. Lord, I don't want to pursue the things that I used to. Lord, I don't want this sin to dominate me anymore. Lord, I want grace to dominate my life, not this sin. Lord, I don't want this, this sin to control my life anymore. Lord, I need you. I need you to be the one that controls my life, not this sin. Because if we are in Christ, we are free. If we are in Christ, man, this sin does not control us anymore. And so here's something I want you to think about just as we close. Why do we find it so easy to be in the presence of sin? And why do we find it so hard to be in the presence of God? Like, why do we find it easier to be in the presence of sin for 30 minutes 
than to be in the presence of God, whether it's in prayer or in scripture or just even here together. Why do we find that so hard? Man, it's this spiritual battle that we're in. The spiritual battle against our sin and against the enemy. But my hope and my prayer is that we would be the people who pray and say, Lord, help me be the person through your Holy Spirit that longs to be in your presence more than be in the presence of sin. Lord, help me understand in the suffering you are present. Help me understand that there is a purpose for this suffering, for these hard times that I'm going through. And so right now, I just want us to take a moment to pray. And I just want to guide you in how to pray in this moment. In this moment, I just want to guide you to pray for yourself. Pray that the Lord would work in your heart right now if you are suffering, if you're going through hard times, if, if you're running towards the things that you used to do rather than running towards Jesus, if you're running towards sin rather than running towards him. And then the next thing I, I want you to pray and just guide you to pray. You just say, Lord, like give me the same attitude as you. Lord, help me be done with sin. Lord, help me be mindful that you are the righteous judge. And then I just wanna guide you to pray for the people that you know or that you don't know that need to remember the cross or need to know about the cross. That need to know or remember the sacrifice that Jesus made and the resurrection and how that literally transforms everything and that we have a God who understands us when we suffer, who understands our suffering. And if you're in here today and you're saying, Misael, that's me, like, Misael, I want to know, or Misael, I, I need to know, or, or Misael, like, today was the day that I just found out about this Jesus. Man, I want you right there in your seat to pray and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, thank you that you died and you suffered for me. Lord, I believe that you raised from the grave. And thank you that you represent me. Lord, I need you to represent me. I can't represent myself. Lord, in this moment, I just want to thank you so much because your word always confronts us where we are. And your love always confronts us where we are. Lord, thank you so much that you meet us in our seats, that you meet us where we stand, that you meet us in our homes, that you meet us in this place. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who have a right mind towards suffering just like you did. Lord, that we would count it joy every time that we suffer because it reveals our heart and it refines our faith. 
Lord, help us be a church that goes out into the community and embraces a community who's hurting. And Lord, help them understand that there is a God who understands them too. God, thank you so much that you are the perfect example and the perfect standard for all good, for all morality. And that we can lean on you and look to you in our time of greatest need. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and continue to sing to the Lord.